Why don't we do it in the road? Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episode 18 of season 4 and episode 83 of Fist of the North Star. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The best Star Trek. I mean, actually, yes, probably. Because it's actually watchable. Uh, Mm. But now I am an expert on Star Trek, so ask me anything. How old is Spock? Spock's not in this. I thought you were an expert on Star Trek. What? No. I thought you were an expert well, on Star Trek. I haven't. Who okay. is the most fuckable Ferengi? Quark. All right. Well, you know, I lowballed that one to you, to be fair. Okay, look, so, uh, Cisco, he, he was uh, on a ship, and it got destroyed by the Borg while Picard was a Borg. Um, Uh-oh. And then... I think this is this is a few years later. He gets assigned to Deep Space Nine, which is a, a space station over what Bajor, I think, is the planet because the people are Bajoran. And well, I don't think that term's acceptable anymore. No, it is. They they say it about themselves, so it's okay. Oh, uh, but then. A wormhole opens up. They find this wormhole that connects them to the Gamma Quadrant, and uh, it goes I through heard that's there. That's where the real shit goes down. Yeah, well, there's bad things over there apparently. Yeah, it's the Gamma Quadrant. That's the other side of the tracks, man. You don't want to be over there. I mean, you're going straight from Alpha Quadrant to Beta to wait. What is it? Gamma. Gamma Quadrant. Gamma. Yeah. You skip right past Beta Quadrant when you're going to the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, that's right. Who knows what's in Beta? Nobody. Yeah. I mean, that might be in some other series. I don't know. Uh, But basically, you go through a wormhole and these weirdo aliens in there uh, have very long and boring conversations with you about what the nature of time is. Uh, It's... No, it's just like joining a subreddit. Yes, exactly. They, uh, you go through the wormhole and they check your Thetan levels. And then they determine what you have to pay them to stay in the Church of uh, Orbs, whatever they are. Look, it's a good show, though. What least, is the Star Trek so. show that everyone like commonly agrees on to be the worst one? Because I thought it was Deep Space Nine, but I'm guessing it's no. Voyager? I think Enterprise. I for, I completely forgot about it, Enterprise. Either Voyager or Enterprise, I think. Although I actually would probably say the original series because everything I've seen of that is awful. I have seen a lot of the original series and have also forgotten basically everything that I've seen. Yeah. Like to be to be fair, it's been over probably ten years since I sat down and watched a lot of that thing, but also like all the episodes that sort of just bled together for me at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've watched like a small number of Next Generation, and I thought it was okay, but it was also something that like I could see if I sat down and really tried to invest the time and make it through that thing, I would get bored very quickly. Before this, I had never watched a full episode of any Star Trek. I have seen all of the movies, the new movies, uh, none of the previous ones, because why would I? I um, Well, Wrath of, Wrath of Khan is good. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Wrath of Khan, Wrath of Khan holds up. Like, that is still what, just a really good movie. What, what about the one where they go, like, to the present? And Kirk says, oh, a double, double dumbass to you, or whatever. <laughs> where they're trying to find the whales? In San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the fourth one, I think. I have seen bits and pieces of that thing, and I really actually want to sit down and watch all of it, because I can't believe that is a thing that they made a movie of. Well, isn't that the thing, though? Like, people say it's the even-numbered ones that are good. So no, that's yeah. that's the thing, though, about about that specific movie, is I think that is maybe the most Star Trek any of the movies have actually been. Like, that, from the premise alone, sounds closer to the actual original series to me than any of the movies that came before it or after it. Yeah, you know what I like about Deep Space Nine? There's no star tracking. Like, they're just there in the station. It's just like, hey, what's going on on the station? Uh, this guy showed up. He's up to no good. Here's this lizard man. What's he doing? He just keeps saying, I am Tosk. What's that mean? Well, O'Brien's gonna get to the bottom of it. He's gonna make friends with the Lizard Man, and then these guys show up looking for him. And I don't know. I wonder if Discovery is actually any good. But I'm like so non-invested in Star Trek that, like, first of all, I don't even care enough to sit down and watch it and find out if it's good. And secondly, I bet with my lack of investment in it, I'd probably think it's fine, and then someone who is way into Star Trek would hear that I thought it was good, and then they would go the fuck off on me. Well, I don't think you would like it because you really hate the uh, SJWs. Oh, sure. I mean, they're always there on the internet. Yeah, you you can't really escape them, and they just really, you know, they taint everything they're involved with. <laughs> I don't agree with any of this. <laughs> All right, what's uh, uh, I'm Larry Davis. You know, no, 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 no. Star Before Trek we get away from this completely, uh, every time I think about Star Trek or space shows, and I need to know why this is the case, because I'm thinking maybe it's the result of a malignancy in my head, but my mind inevitably drifts over to space cases. I don't know what that is. Oh, boy, let me tell you all about it. So remember the Black Ranger from Power Rangers, like the original one? Yes. He's the main character, okay? So it's a group of misfit misfit kids. They're in, like, a a school in outer space and, like, a ship docks, and they get on the ship, and the ship sort of takes off, and they all get lost in space. Oh, so it's, like, lost in space. Yes, but if it was made in the 90s by Nickelodeon and starred the Black Ranger. Oh, so it's like the Lost in Space movie with Gary Oldman. Now you're talking. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I remember, like, being extremely into it as a kid, but my, like, I can't remember too many specific details about it because my memory is too fuzzy at that point. Like, I remember a few things. Like, there was a girl with an imaginary friend, and everyone just, like, sort of dismissed it as, oh, this this girl is really weird. And then the way that the first season ends, there's this big traumatic event on a planet that they actually touch down on. 
uh, one of the only two like adults in the room actually goes into a coma. But then some girl just shows up that you've never seen before, and she starts referring to her imaginary friend who happens to have the same name as the girl from before who had an imaginary friend. So then you find out that there was actually a second girl there the whole time that was invisible to everybody, and because of the events in this last episode, they've now switched places. And this is, like, all I remember about this show. <laughs> okay. This blew my mind as a child. This was the only thing that I took away from this fucking thing. Like, that, the theme song, and the fact that the Black Ranger was in it, and that's it. I'm Larry Davis. With me is George Brundle. He's a... I'm the Star Trek expert. He's the Space Cases expert. Yeah. Uh, But today... Space Heads is what they call us. Yeah. But today, we're talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, as we do every week. Somehow. Yeah, almost not this week, because my Russian bootleg site uh, kind of shafted me on this one. Yeah, well, can't trust them. We learned no, that from the 2016 a... election. <laughs> someone was asleep at the wheel and didn't upload the damn episode. Where are the emails, Jorno? <laughs> Show us your emails. Guido helped rig the election. Uh, yeah. Well, no, Guido He's didn't. The... Guido's probably the Roger Stone of this scenario. Well, he does wear a weird hat instead of weird glasses, so... Yeah. Kinda. Okay. Go ahead. Go go for it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, so, already we're starting off with a name that I have no idea how to pronounce, so this is a really good sign. Who? Giacchio? Gacho. Gacho. Alright, that was... Close enough. What I said was, nope. Not even a little bit. Uh, so, this uh, this blue-haired, glasses-wearing weirdo, who honestly reminds me a lot of you? Uh-huh. Like how he <laughs> screams about, uh, <laughs> like, grammatical inconsistencies? Yes. Yeah. Like that and also just... Sort of the way he looks. Mm, I don't know about that. Like, it's the glasses thing, something about his lips, and then I think his haircut makes it, it's like hugging his head so closely. What are you saying? I don't know. I don't, don't, don't want to... You don't have much hair. Anymore. Uh, yeah. So what's going on in this episode? There's, there's some guys are at a computer. It's Risotto. Yes, Risotto Nero. Yeah. Uh, he's he's threatening a computer analyst to do some sort of <sighs> analyst an analyzing. And he says, if you don't do it, then uh. He, like, stabs him in the hand with a bunch of nails that he yeah. sort of just, like, conjures up. And then he's like, okay, I've nailed your left hand, and I can nail your eyeball because I only need you to have one eye and one hand to do this job. Yeah. Corpus, uh, you know from Salty Bet what he actually does. I don't remember. It's oh. actually been a while. Yeah. 
Okay. This is not to go off on a tangent again already. I've been thinking about getting into Salty, but again, a lot lately. I popped in there yesterday, see what was going on. and How's um, it going? Oh, it was fine. Uh, I came in when there was a tournament going on of Shonen Jump characters. And uh, Italian Kinshiro lost to Lisa Lisa And I thought, well, this seems like a sign of something That sure sounds like Salty Butt mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the only reason I haven't is because I have so much other better stuff to be doing with my time And I know if I get invested in that, that's it Man, yeah. that's my life for like a month Yeah <sighs> But anyway uh Babyface, we we kind of jump back to Malone, and he's just like, okay, or no, 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 okay, yeah. Jorno's sort of like uh, flipped the script on Babyface, so he's he's winning the battle. He did his whole thing with like popping the hand inside of him. Uh huh. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how this goes down because there's something with uh, like. The turtle's feces like he turned that into something or just watch like... this like 30 minutes ago the problem is i watched fist of the north star after it and my all my memories from before this just fell out of my head because now all that's playing in my mind is that guy in the bathtub being <laughs> like hoisted in front of everybody uh yeah he uh was it like bagus or something is a bagul or something like that. Sure, why not? He's got a <laughs> real showman quality about him, but that's for later. Yes. Uh Yeah, yes. I'm I'm he, trying he to like catch up on the stuff with the baby face cuz yeah, he he falls into the turtle poop. Okay. Cuz this was the whole bit with like baby face specifically, the rest of this fight for some reason just kind of like my eyes glazed over while I was watching it. Because again, this was something like I felt they could have done something very interesting with, but it didn't actually. It kind of just boils down to like, Jorno hits him a bunch and he dies. Yeah. Uh, but more specifically, it's that he steals one of Golden uh, Experience's hands, and then it turns out that it wasn't actually his real hand. It was a part, or was the entire motorcycle that he turned into his Stan's hand. So uh-huh. when Babyface consumes it, he's able to just turn it back into the motorcycle and it just, like, tears his body up. I don't think it's the whole motorcycle, though. I think it's uh just the gas tank. A wheel pops out of his back. Yeah, but I'm looking at now and the motorcycle's still on the ground behind him. Okay. Well, it's at least, like, a significant portion of the motorcycle because it does, like... Explode him from the inside out Yeah Like the actual the actual explosion comes from when He's trying to like divide himself up into cubes Again but the gas tank Like that causes gas to seep All over him oh, yeah. and the spark plug ignites it. The spark plug but yeah, yeah I guess here it doesn't Yeah right before that The uh, motorcycle was still in the background But here it wasn't so Okay sure Well there's a, there's a bit a little bit later Where uh I just said his fucking name. Yacho? Yes, him. That just, guy. Just say Gaucho and it'll be close enough. Gaucho. Thank you. Uh, Groucho shows up and he notices that like all the cars are missing, but then like a burning portion of the motorcycle is there. So I guess that would be like the portion that did blow up inside Babyface. 
Yeah, Groucho shows up and he says, uh, I wouldn't be a member of any Hitman team that would have me as a member. <laughs> That's right. And then he waves his cigar around and he drives off. Mm-hmm. Uh... There was also, like, that whole thing where he's like, I was told to take a leaf out of someone's book. Why is there a leaf in a book? I don't remember that. Who put the leaf there? Yeah, no, it's him, like, getting angry about, like... The way the JoJo wiki writes it, actually, is probably the best way to describe it, is he starts a linguistic rant. Oh, yeah, I see. Th yeah, and he's punching the steering wheel. I didn't remember this part. Yeah. I think because gets... I, I didn't know, like, what it meant to begin with, so I was just like, eh, file that away in nonsense. See, this is specifically the part that reminded me of you, because he's just like, well, people got this saying of, like, taking a leaf out of a book, but what does that mean anyway? Why is there a leaf in a book? Who put a leaf there? Why is that even a saying? I've never heard that saying. I've heard, like, take a page out of the book. Yeah, me, like, me too. So, like, it wasn't even a saying that I recognized, but also, like, his reaction just struck me as, like, a very you thing. Well, for me, it was later when he's talking about the way people say Paris and Florence that I was thinking, yeah. this is extremely me. That is definitely more so. But, like, from the start of this episode, I was just like, oh, this dude is, like, this is just Larry. <laughs> Also, uh... I just put Larry in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. About, uh, Gacho's style, to me, he looks like he's out of a No More Heroes game. Or, like, a pseudo yeah. game in general. I think a lot of yeah. it is because of the glasses and the way it whites them out a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. but... Speaking of which, I played, uh, Travis Strikes Again. It is bad. Yeah, I watched really uh, Giant Bombs. I watched Giant Bombs quick look for that game and decided, or no, 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 they didn't do a quick look. I was watching. Yeah, they. I did. was watching some other channel on. Well, then I didn't watch their thing specifically. I watched this. Uh, I'm subscribed to this guy on YouTube who does these console teardowns where he just completely like takes apart every piece on the motherboard and stuff. And, like, I find that super interesting for some reason, even though I don't understand jack shit of what they're showing me. Uh, but he had something where he was reviewing No More Heroes, uh, Travis Strikes Again, and yeah, it looked like really, really bad. I didn't even finish the first level. Like, I got to the mid-boss, which was bad enough, and I thought, oh, okay, at least I'm done with this part. Nope. And so once I got a little bit past that and realized I was about halfway through this it's actually probably not all that long, but it felt like an eternity. Uh, right. And I just was like, nope, I'm sending this back to Gamefly. You guys can deal with it. His review mentioned uh, how Suda said the future of No More Heroes is dependent on how well this game does. Yeah. Uh, which, first of all, means I guess it's too bad that No More Heroes is a dead franchise now. Mm -hmm. uh, but his review mentioned, like, I don't think this game is really good, but please buy it because I want No More Heroes 3. No. Like, if they wanted that, make a No More Heroes 3. Then see yes. how that so, goes. When he made that as his, his argument in his review, the thing that went through my head immediately was, I'm not going to pay money for a game that is bad in the hopes that I will get the game that I want down the line. 
if they were going to make another game with No More Heroes in the title, it should have just been No More Heroes 3. That I would buy. Yeah, I mean, there is some logic to supporting a release for the hope of something in the future. I kept buying the Yakuza games. Uh, Well, except those are good, but you know what I mean. Like, there's things that are, like, mediocre that I would still buy... But if it's something that's just outright trash like this, no. I Everything that I saw of this was something that I could not even use the excuse of I might get the game I actually want down the line as a reason for buying that game. Yeah, like I just like, rented it from Gamefly and I still was mad that I even had to take the time to send it back. Watching 15 minutes of somebody else play that game just made me go like, okay, I know I don't want anything to do with this. This doesn't look like a game I want to play. I mean, I actually probably would have just removed it from my queue, but I forgot it was in there. And so they were like, oh, let's ship this out quick before he removes it. We gotta get these things moving. So. Anyway, an old Uh, guy shoots himself in a turtle. Right? Yeah, that's the character I relate to the most. Yeah. It'll parry always. Yeah, you're always ranting about linguistic arguments. I'm always over here going, I'm old and don't want to live anymore. I had a good life, thanks to the boss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to remember how this all goes down exactly. Everybody is back... No, not everyone is... Hmm. No, okay. Not everyone is back in the turtle yet. Uh, he saved Bucciarati and Trish, and we cut back to Malone at the station, and he's reporting back in. He's like, okay, I still got plenty of Bucciarati's blood. So I can make more babies. I just need to find more women. And then he starts staring at this woman's ass. And then he gets bit by a snake. Uh Uh-huh. Directly on the tongue and he dies. Yeah, just like um, snakes on a plane. Exactly. Yeah. Have I mentioned on this podcast the whole bit with the dead baby in that movie? No. I don't think so. Why would you? There is a character in that movie uh, whose whole bit is she is a pregnant mother, she's got a baby, and obviously snakes and babies are mortal enemies, so this adds tension to most of the scenes that she's in. Uh, Towards the end of the movie, the way that, spoilers, in case somebody is planning to watch Snakes on a Plane but has not gotten around to it yet for I don't know literally what reason... Uh, But the way that they get rid of the motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane is they decide to blow a hole in the fuselage while everybody is strapped in so only the snakes get sucked out. Sorry, you mean mean open some motherfucking windows? Yes, yes, I'm sorry. My bad. They have Kenan Thompson fly the plane because he's played Grand Theft Auto. I am not making that up. Turn this big motherfucker left, Troy. That's the actual quote. (laughs) It's an actual line for the movie. If you watch very closely, though, when all the snakes are getting sucked out, you, the astute viewer, might notice a CGI baby get sucked out of the plane. And they never focus on it. They never draw attention to the mother afterwards. But if you notice her when they are evacuating the plane, she inexplicably no longer has a baby in her. Well, it's not inexplicable. That's completely explicable. I'm just trying to get you to start a linguistic rant. Oh, sorry. Trying to get you to prove your groucho once and for all. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's it's this weird hidden thing that they put in the movie of her baby totally got sucked out of the plane and died. Yeah, I saw that in the theater, and uh, I never noticed it. I actually, I noticed it on my first watch through of that movie, and had to like tell everyone who I saw it with afterwards, because I was like, you guys noticed that too, right? Like, that baby totally died, and nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> and then when no, I got the DVD and was able to rewatch it, like, sure enough, like, that baby totally dies. That's no, just a little Easter egg in there for the eagle-eyed <laughs> viewer. Yeah. Just a fun just, little bit. It's just... An actual hidden baby death in this movie. A good, nice little joke em up. Just for you. <laughs> Snake on a Plane is legitimately great. I love that thing. Uh, I wouldn't say I legitimately great, but I do like it. It's fantastic. I just love Samuel Jackson in that interrogation room going, Eddie Kim will kill you! <laughs> yes, that's right. If you let him. <laughs> I forgot about that line. Uh, oh man, that's such a weird thing. Uh, yeah, so Snakes on a Train is uh, the Asylum movie, uh, starring Maloney. Yes. Yeah. So then, I guess Jorno has a psychic link with the snake because he's in the car and he goes like, "Huh, snake killed him." Yep. Well, yeah, because uh, he could also sort of direct things. Even when he wasn't mm, that's true. Yeah. yeah, so I guess he would just instinctively know that whatever purpose he's, like, imbued it with has been fulfilled. Right. Okay. It's kind of like that, um, that King of the Hill episode where Bobby was sitting there at the table and he's just like, there's some milk in the fridge that's about to go bad. I hate that there I knew goes. immediately what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh man uh some people are in the turtle yeah so everyone goes into the turtle to reconvene because they've got the next message from the boss which is to rewind a chair inside of the turtle 15 hours uh using abashio's ability and when they do uh pericolo uh shows up the little old man with the googly eyes from before uh-huh. And he's he's standing on the chair for really no good reason. <laughs> it's so he can uh, so his body'll be sucked out. Oh, okay. That yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I I like how this is a series where we could say, well, the tiny old man's sitting on a chair so when he shoots himself, his body'll be sucked out of the turtle he's inside. And you can go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure." Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, uh, that follows. Uh, yeah, he turns around. And he's just like, "Okay, uh, I'm speaking to the room now. Uh, everybody, the boss uh, has given me this photo of a place in Venice uh, with this statue, and uh, you need to go here and pick up a thing. And uh, the boss, you know, he's waiting the delivery of his daughter and." Uh, Boss is a great guy, you know, he's given me a lot of money over the years, and I've lived comfortably, and now it's time to shoot myself in the head, so, peace. Yep. Don't leave any evidence. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're supposed Especially to Especially not a video of you killing yourself. Well, it's not a video. Only Moody Blues it's... can see it. 
it's close enough because Groucho pieces it together later anyway. Or not like not him specifically, but the computer analysis that uh Risotto is threatening. Because uh, yeah. they reassemble the picture literally from its ashes, which I don't know how. And then they have like the fully formed picture, and that is how Groucho knows that he needs to go to Venice. That's right. Yeah, I don't know how they reconstructed it. Me either, but like that's the whole thing is this old man killed himself to leave behind no evidence and he died for nothing. Well, he tried. Isn't that what's really important? Trying? <laughs> no. It's like Kurt Cobain shooting himself in the mouth for nothing, and as soon as I started saying that, I realized it's actually true. That's what happened. Yeah. I would say R.I.P. Kurt Cobain, but I don't care. Yeah. Stick so anyway. the. Oh, man, I would have loved it more if this old dude, like, pulled out a shotgun and tried to, like, wrap his toes around the, around the trigger while balancing on the top of his chair. Why was half of Perry Colo's message written in different handwriting? <laughs> Seems suspicious to me. Oh, man. Anyway, so they're yeah, heading uh, to uh, Venice? Yes, they split into two. So Giorno and Mista are sent together to go get this... Uh, it's a disc that they're trying to get from the statue. And uh, so... It is very early in the morning. It's a very chilly night. Uh, they're taking a leisurely drive over to Venice uh, when Giorno like suddenly loses control of the car. Wait, and I, uh, missed it. Hold on. First of all, I would like to mention it is unusually uh, smart of them to split into two groups. That is true. Second, there's this exchange with Guido where he's like, uh, what are you doing? Don't you know how to drive? And Giorno's just like, no, I'm 15. Yeah. I don't have a license. And uh, Guido, like... I really need to hope we don't get pulled over. Yeah, he, he like, moves his head uh, and rests it on the window, and then pulls it away, and he looks at this chunk of his skin on the window and is like, huh, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when Jorah loses control of the car, it also, like, it jostles Guido around, and he, uh, his pinky gets ripped off by the window, is what it is. Yeah. Because he's, like, looking at this chunk of flesh on the window, and he's like, huh, what's that? It looks like it's in the shape of a finger. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. And then he gets his face stuck to the window again. Yes, and so then that's like the, the stakes for Guido is if he moves his face off of the windshield, he will surely rip his face off. Yeah. Which, here's the thing. Guido has been shot in the stomach and in the head, and I can guarantee in the next episode, his pinky's just going to be back on his hand. Yep. Well, maybe what does he care? next episode, but the one after that, because next one sure. will still be fighting Groucho. They will... Zip it back on. But anyway, uh, Guido decides the best COA course of action is to just dump into the roof, because Groucho's up there. Yep. Uh, Sex Pistols uh, starts to get frozen uh, by Groucho, who is encased in ice. 
Um, I think it's Which, only like one and two get frozen, but everybody else is okay. I'm going to guess that this is like some sort of special super hard ice because, I mean, you can chew ice. Yes, you, know? you can. You, you, you should you... not do that, though. Actually, no. that's really bad for your teeth. No. Well, I did a lot, and look at me now. Uh, but you can also just shoot through ice. Especially if it's... Yeah. I mean, if it's thick, it'll stop it, but... It doesn't seem like the layer surrounding Gaucho is specifically, like, really thick. Hmm. Because you can see him through it. Yes. Uh, I also just like how this dude is riding the top of this car, frozen stiff, with the goofiest face on. That... Oh, it's so good. Just, yeah. like, his lips burst and his teeth showing. Yeah. Gacho, I think, I, is my favorite member of the Hitman team. I think we are in agreement with that. I really dig this guy's character design and just also everything about him. Uh-huh. I like a stand, too. It's a weird idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to kind of catch up here on where we were. Uh, he gets his face stuck. Um... Oh yeah, Jorna like opens the window up and like it's blasted with a bunch of cold air. So like the whole interior of the car is starting to freeze over and like Guido is telling Jorno to stop the car, uh, but he can't because like the brake pedal is actually frozen. Yeah, and, and Guido says like, well, can't you just turn the turn the car into a frog or something? And uh, yeah. Jorno says he can't because this is what, like a negative 100 degrees Celsius? Yes, and he, he reaches that conclusion by doing a whole lot of math about the speed that the car is traveling and how much temperature would be lost based on, like, the amount of speed that they're currently traveling at. So it's this, like, really long walk to him just going, like, I think it's a negative 100 degrees Celsius and I can't make anything that would, like, be born at that temperature. Yeah, but right after that, we get the most important part. Which is a Gacho ruminating about the pronunciation of various cities in Europe. Yeah. Specifically how Americans pronounce Paris, and like this huge orange font of Paris just sort of zooms into the frame. Yeah. It's like, um. He says something about how they pronounce it Paris, and then other people say Paris. Uh, but this the, is the like most a important bit from the Animaniacs, man. Yes, but the most important thing is how then he starts. Somehow he goes from there to Venice, which is actually Venezia, and yet things like Death in Venice and Merchant of Venice are called that instead of Merchant of Venezia. And then he gets really mad and starts punching the ice he's encased in. <laughs> A good I really love Groucho, and I hate the fact that he's probably going to die in the next episode. Probably. It's such a bummer. So, uh, Gold Experience uh, is not able to create any life. Well, what he can do is uh, pick up Guido's ammunition. Uh, all sex pistols are procured on site. Yep, OSP. Yes. Uh, no, he he picks him up, and basically what he does is, well, we don't find this out until like a, a couple beats later, but he is turning them uh, with his stand into a living thing. In this case, it's like roots. So when Sex Pistols 
shoots these bullets into Groucho's like ice shield. The roots then spread out and break it apart and fling him off the car. Yes. And I actually really like this because I hadn't considered like there's not much like stand pairing in this series. Yeah. And so this was a really neat thing to actually have pop up where it's like, oh, Guido and like Guido and Giorno could make a really good team because their stands pair really well together. Mm-hmm. And specifically this works because after he sort of a does his mojo to the bullets, then when Guido fires them, it heats um, them up. Is Mojo Jojo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mojo Jojo. Oh no. See, it's Doc, all coming together now. Dr. Evil stole his Mojo Jojo, and so he has to go back to the 60s. Get it back. I was mostly thinking of Powerpuff Girls and thinking, like, him is a already pretty close to being a JoJo's villain. Yeah, him was great. Yeah. Oh, anyway, boy. so yes, it, it knocks Groucho off and then uh everything starts to heat up in the car, you know, Mista is able to pull his face off the windshield safely. He still don't got a pinky, but again, we're about an episode away from that just getting fixed. Uh but uh Groucho then like Trying to remember how this goes down exactly. He is it that this is his, his stand, or yes. he is making this out of like ice? No, this is his stand. His this like his stand. weird skating okay. suit is actually White Album. Okay, yeah, and so he starts skating towards them at tremendous speeds. Uh huh. And and so uh, then Guido shoots him, and the bullets kind of just stick in the stand. So he never actually had to do that whole ice thing anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but he does latch onto the trunk uh, with a bunch of ice and uh, climbs into the trunk. And so Guido is freaking out about him, like freezing the brake pedal again. Uh, turns out it's not the case. That would have been actually a good plan, but he was still just chilling in the trunk. So he could jump out of the trunk and attack Guido. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a less good plan to me. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Gold Experience just shows up and punches him, but all it's able to do is sort of crack his stand, but not able... It's not, like, actually able to hurt him. Well, you did skip, like, one of the coolest applications of Sex Pistols so far, which is where he's like, ah, I have a plan. And Guido shoots some bullets at him, and then they redirect the bullets to, like, go on his skates. Like, cut oh, in half right. on the skates. And Gacho just, like tumbles in a really hilarious fashion and just like smacks against the highway divider and everything yeah his head like slams down first and like drags against the highway for a bit yeah but then he catches back up yep uh so Jorno has a new plan which is just to drive into the fucking ocean yep <laughs> so this episode ends on a really good bit of all of them just going ah while like driving right into the water. We're jumping onto white base. Ah. ah. Yeah. The, also, when he's in the trunk, I really like again Guido just dumping into the trunk, going, "Hey, yep. Giorno, he's in there." <laughs> but yeah, the, this ends with the freeze frame of them careening off the highway, and. Like, this would have been a good part for them to bring back Roundabout. 
Yeah, this is, I think, my favorite, like, cliffhanger ending, like, single favorite freeze frame in this entire series. Yeah. Is then just, like... just diving into the ocean screaming. Yeah, looks like it's gonna be, a, like, you'll have a voiceover saying, how them JoJo boys gonna get out of this one? Tune in next <laughs> week. <sighs> yeah. This was an alright episode. I was less thrilled with the stuff with Babyface because I think that kind of ended in a way that was unfortunately, predictably, not that interesting. Yeah. Like, I kind of hoped that they would do more with that, the whole concept of them having very similar stand powers, but then you brought up the last time, like, I bet you they won't, and turns out you're right. (laughs) Uh, But this whole chase sequence was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I I really like Groucho. Yes. Well, who doesn't? And then next time, the next next episode is called uh, White Album, so Groucho's gonna be back. Hooray! Hallelujah. Too bad we are only going to get one more episode out of them, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the manga anime differences. I've not looked at these. Uh, Malone's death after the venomous snake bit him in the tongue was shown on screen. In the manga, it was off-panel. Thanks, Araki. That's actually kind of weird, because I think that would be a big, like... You know, like, at least a half-page thing of, like, that snake just biting his tongue and him going, like, Ugh! Yeah. Uh, the whole thing about Malone looking at a butt was new to the anime apparently <laughs> I wish we had Suda's notes to explain that one well, new scenes of Gacho and Risotto are added throughout the episode Gacho's shown driving and talking to Risotto on the phone while the latter uses their stand force a computer technician to reconstruct the picture that Pericolo burned um oh yeah yeah speak of that I wonder if Deep Space Nine is like the, uh, like one of the ground zeros of enhance the image, you know? But no, it must not be yeah. because they did that in like Blade Runner, right? Where oh, they like rotate the image. I had to have told my Blade Runner. I don't know if I told my Blade Runner story in this podcast. I know I've told it to you, but no, oh, go for it. The only time, the only time I've seen Blade Runner, I was uh. I was still living with my father, I was in my teens, and my dad decided to get really pissy about something and got into a big argument with me about, like, 30 minutes into Blade Runner uh, that went on for about another 45 minutes, and then instead of rewinding the movie like a normal person, I just watched the rest of it. So I don't know what Blade Runner is about. You don't need to. It's not good. I have seen all of the new one, though, with Ryan Gosling in it, and that is a very good movie. Yeah. Like, I exactly. at least know what that one's about. Uh, okay, the number of hours the boss asks Sabakio to rewind to change from 10 to 14. What? Who cares? Uh, Mista's flashback is omitted. Oh, oh, that was the one that was uh, shown earlier on. Mm. So normally that would have happened here. Wait, his whole, like, this is his backstory yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. The, the one that like, was doing work. Yeah. Huh. I could see why they maybe moved that up. Yeah, also this is, um, I think that's the first time I've seen a note like this. 
So this might have been like when they just started doing the flashbacks. Mm. Uh, oh, and we didn't mention we finally see Diavolo. Oh yeah, that's right. He's uh just chilling out in his place in Venice draped in a blanket, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically the way I live most of my days. Yeah. Interestingly, that's how Trish looks in the opening. Like in that blanket oh. thing. Yeah, I might need to go back and rewatch it again. I guess I haven't caught that. Uh, I skipped past the intro these last few episodes, so uh it's good. Yeah. Uh, Giaccio's rant on Venice and Venezia takes place after Giorno and Mista discuss using gold experience to escape. In the manga, this happens after Mista unloads his gun the first time. Uh, okay, good. The the funny bit of uh, Giaccio shown lying on the ground for a bit before activating his stand and taking off uh, is n- new to the anime. In the manga, he activates it mid-fall, so... I like the bit of him just lying there. Yeah, that's another good change. I so far these changes they've made have been for the better. Yes, I like this agree. episode. And now, here we are, forty-four and a half minutes in. Every time I look into your eyes, it's Look, we had to talk a lot about Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and Space and Case. Yes, and Space Cases. Uh, we watched a little anime, uh, you might have heard of it, called Fist of the North Star. Yeah, aka Hokuto no Ken. Yep. So, up front, I know very, very little about this anime. I'm familiar with the art style. Uh, and, like, the first thing that strikes me about this episode is... Feels like I'm watching part one of JoJo's again. Yeah, I mean, JoJo was definitely inspired a lot from yes, uh, yeah, this North Star. There were there were a lot of manga that adopted that kind of art style back in that point in time. Like was... the first couple volumes of Berserk, kind of come close to looking like it's that art style. A little bit. Uh, there's a specific name for it, and I don't remember what it's called. I never even knew that there was a name for it, but that's... Yeah, there is. Um, It was specifically something that derived from, like, before that, basically, manga all looked sort of like Osamu Tezuka's stuff, where it was much more cartoony. And so Mm. then they started doing stuff like this, and I I don't remember what it's called, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, like, knocking JoJo's when I say that by any means, because I know that that was people cribbed on that style a lot back then and that this was like the originator of it or at least the one that made it the most popular um, um i don't know about that uh i feel like really? i feel like this is the most popular one of that era but there was stuff before this because this of the north star didn't come about until the 80s yeah, well, I mean, that's my my thing that I guess I'm trying to actually get at is I don't know if it was the one that originated that style, but it is definitely the one that made it like mainstream 
like sure. people are cribbing it specifically because it's uh, what made it popular. You know, actually, I could I be wonder... totally wrong about this. I don't know. I don't actually know. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking out of my ass, but, but yeah, like at least for me, that is what when I see something in that style, I think, oh, that's Fist of the North Star. Even though JoJo's is the thing that I've maybe spent the most time watching that has looked close to that, like mm -hmm. it's still Fist of the North Star for me. So, but in like a weird way, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking a lot of like how Kinshiro's design reminds me a bit of Jonathan. Yeah, things like that. But I mean, even um, when we were watching part one, I was mentioning how he yeah. has the shoulder pads and everything like Kinshiro does. Yeah. yeah, we we had we had mentioned that back then, uh, but. Yeah, but like besides that and the whole like him going, you know, doing his ah ta 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 ta, you're already dead, Nani thing. Like I don't know anything else about it. Okay. I've I've never seen an episode of it. I've never read any of. I'm assuming it was based on a manga. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've never read anything of it. I've the seen some is... salty butt fights with characters, and that's about it. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, to uh, Toki. No, uh, Rao. Yes. yes. But watching this made me realize, oh, all of the stuff I've seen from this has been from the movie, not the series. Because uh, mm. in the movie, I guess that's where you get the actual blood spurts and heads popping and stuff. Because <laughs> uh, on TV, they couldn't really do that. No, you get it, but it's like silhouetted and the blood is like White. shiny blue goo. Yeah. It's like white. Yeah. It's like a yeah, yeah. Point point is, it it definitely does not look like blood. Mm. It's it's not red. You don't see the actual gore involved. It seems There's more some... as if it's yeah, because like when Bagul does this whole thing where he stabs through a couple guys' chests and then his hands are all red for like a few frames. Well, there's also the bit with uh, Keno. Uh... Slicing the guys later. Let's just start from the beginning, though. Yeah. Although I I do want to say at least real quick, like about that effect, it looks more to me like their soul is exploding through their body. Yeah, it gives it sort of a mystical look. Yes, um, like it's still a, it is still a look, and even though it is definitely them censoring what's actually going on, I think stylistically it's very interesting, and I like it. No, what else this I is like. a good example of censorship, unlike JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, where all Jotaro wanted to do was just enjoy a damn cigarette. Yeah. I will um, not let this go. I really like the theme song here, both the opening and ending. Uh, they I have a lot of English. It's almost all in English, yeah. Uh, uh, phrases like, do survive. And it's all just him, like, brooding over a tombstone. Yeah. Who died? That's 90% we'll of what know. it is. Yeah, I don't know. There's a bit where he stands up and he just pushes past two kids, and it's like, I'm guessing all the villains for this part as, like, ghosts behind him. Mm -hmm. And then he gets into a fight with somebody, and, like, that's it. Yeah. That's the whole intro. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we we go through that, and then uh, we get a previously on thing too. 
Yeah, I kind of, like, sort of glazed over that a bit. Well, this guy's saying, um... So, from what I remember, and I have not watched any of this, I have seen a little bit of the movie, and, um... I have played a good chunk of the game, but the game is not actually... Like, it doesn't really follow canon. And if it did, I think everything that happened there was way earlier than this. Because this is the beginning of Season 4. Um, There were, like, four disciples of Hokuto Kenshin. And they were basically competing to see who would be the chosen one who would be, like, the master of Hokuto Kenshin. And Kenshiro is the one who is chosen, and the others are not happy about it. And some of them, uh, like, I think Toki is one of the other ones. But he was okay with it, but then others, like, Jagai? I think he's the guy that wears a mask. Uh, He did not like it. And so basically they're trying to kill Kenshiro. There's also something about wars, and, I mean, it's Mad Max. Yeah, that's the thing that was the most obvious to me was like, this is ripping off Mad Max in a way, like the shoulder pads on Kinshiro and just the whole like look at the wasteland and kind of the characters. Mm-hmm. Extremely Mad Max, but then also going very much in its own direction with things. Mad Max, to my knowledge, never punched somebody until they turned into tumors and exploded. No. Unfortunately. And maybe maybe in Beyond Thunderdome, I don't know. I heard that's the bad one, so I've not seen it. It is bad. Um, actually, that's actually a lie. That's the only one I've seen besides Fury Road. What? Yeah, I've never seen the first or the second Mad Max. <sighs> oh, boy. Yeah, no, I know. No, I feel the same. Anyway, Ken O... Uh, and his dudes are raiding a city. Goes in like Ken Osama. Respect. Ken Osama. Nah, he does not deserve respect. Oh, he's a. Right, tie- well. He's no, not my king. Hashtag not my king. I didn't okay. vote for him. Um, I did. Why? He said he lower taxes. He said he lower taxes. And you fell for it. Yeah, well... Have you filed your return this year? Have you seen what happened? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah I'm, look, it says right here on the forum, I'm getting more water this year. Oh, well, good. Put Bagul in charge of the Water Commission, and he seems like an honest guy. Hey, Bagul. Ha, Bagul, I got Bagul. Anyway, they're cutting dudes down uh, with the same animation. Yes. At least twice. Uh... This whole episode has a lot of repeated animation on it. Yeah, like two guys, like the henchmen, attack Kenshiro and get killed in the same way twice. Half of this episode is just the same animation repeating itself. Yep. Look, that's old anime for you. Yeah, no, I love it. Like, there's a certain charm to that. Like that Gundam ass, like, this is the same footage of the Gundam swinging the beam saber. This is the only clip that they've got for this one attack kind yep. of thing. Uh, But after that bit, we get... Now, this, I think, is interesting. Because this mm-hmm. bit where Kenshiro walks into town with a cloak on, there's an old guy who's like, Oh, do you have any water? And Kenshiro's like, Oh, we thought you had water. This is the same way the game opens. 
Huh. And it's also the same way the movie opens, I think. And so, this like, thing that occurs in, like, part four, the final chapter. I think maybe this just happens, like, every other episode. Like, I think that maybe <laughs> it's just the setup for everything, is him walking into town and being like, oh, someone's taking our water. Like, maybe. Yeah. Oh, it's Boogle. Did you have to fight with a guy in... Did you have to fight with a guy in a bathtub in it? Because... No, no. But... Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. In the game, I think it's actually like a flashback or something. Like, it just sort mm -hmm. of skips ahead after that. I don't know. Like I said, the game is not really following canon, so I don't know. Because that also involves, the... like, a giant... Like, a paradise city. Uh, and you, you go in and you, you play Blackjack... Hmm. So this is uh, something that I actually liked about Kenshiro is I kind of feel like a lot of this certain like I guess I had his art his archetype sort of wrong is I thought that he was the sort of like like he was cold and indifferent to everybody and he was silent because he just had no patience for other people's problems. Oh, you like, thought he, he would was be the guts. type that would just yeah, like I, I thought that almost I think because when Berserk started and this whole thing was very popular at the time that maybe Guts's attitude was also reflective of Fist of the North Star. No. I uh, thought that that was just who he was. So actually seeing him immediately show concern for this guy who's collapsing and giving him his water like made me appreciate Kinshiro immediately. Yeah, Kinshiro is... He is cold in a way, but he is not inconsiderate. Like he does want to help people out. Yeah, he he, he does a very good guy. I like him. Yes, for one thing, he is not really interested in the overall wars. I think, like, if two people, like two gangs, have an issue or something, like he's not going to get involved with it. But if they're oppressing the townsfolk, he'll stop them. Uh, and that's also why he's running around with two kids. I don't know what the girl's name is, but the boy is Bat. Uh, and I think he's that's like, a good name. Yeah, his whole thing is that he's he's like Donatello. He does machines. Mm. I like characters in post-apocalypse scenarios that are just named after things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where else are you going to get a name? You look at something and you say, ah, oh, that's your name. <laughs> your name is Wheel now. That'd be a really good name. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to be named Wheel. Well, do you see anything else around you? How about if we just call you Dirt? Would you like that? <laughs> yeah. Do you like that? You happy now that your name is fucking Dirt? Now, call your brother now, Bathtub in here. Now Wheel is my name. <laughs> I have claimed the Wheel. They say wheels are medieval, but they work. <sighs> All right, Not so... like dirt. Dirt is just dirt. You add water to dirt, and you know what you get? Mud. Now your name's Mud. Literally. And then my name is Mud, placed for the rest of the episode. My name is Mud. Yep. Uh, so... it's, just the, it's just the end of Electroma, except it's just me and my... A hobo family wandering the desert while my name is Mud. <laughs> <laughs> then you set yourself on fire. <laughs> yeah, and then I just catch on fire. Uh, okay, so... Uh, uh, 
was a great movie that only you and I have seen. Yes, if anybody hasn't seen Electroma, uh, the Daft Punk movie, which is uh, half comprised of them wandering across a desert, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, this is like an hour and a half after they give themselves hideous clay goblin faces. Yeah, yeah. That then melt horrifically. Yep, because they walk down the street as uh, the theme to Billy Jack is playing. Uh, uh, anyway, the old yeah, guy... Electroma is the most pretentious piece of shit I've ever seen, and I love it. I I don't know that it is. Like, I feel like that is the way to do an art movie like that, and it doesn't make me want to strangle whoever made it. Anyway... The old guy, as I've been trying to move forward with this, uh, says, uh, Boogle's taking all our water. And it turns out he's doing that because he loves to take baths. I mean, same, but this dude wants to take baths like eight to ten times a day. Yeah. Even, he even says, like, I'd do it a hundred times if I could. I mean, at that and point, it's, it's... your fingers are going to, like, really prune up. It's not even hot baths is the thing because he gets his henchmen to pour him a bath after he kills a couple of guys and gets dirty and he does a whole like splish splash I'm in the bath thing and then he reveals like oh man I love cold baths. Well the way also the way he's introduced is these uh guys wander into his throne room or whatever and they're like huh where is he? I don't see him anywhere. And then like a statue splits open in half and he does a flip out of it and stabs both of them like right through their torsos. Yeah, with his own hands. Yeah. Man. So yeah, he's in he just takes a bath and is like splashing around so much that like a bunch of the water is pouring out of it and his it keeps cutting to his guards going like, Oh, what a waste. Yeah. Oh, he's wasting all this water. And then if, if it wasn't clear enough what's going on, we then, like, cut over to the townspeople who are, like, getting their daily ration of water, and it's just, it's very, very little. And obviously he's he's sucking up all the water in town to take his baths. That should have been enough to communicate that, but then he has two of his guards carry him in on his, in his bathtub that's, like, attached to two planks of wood. Yep. It's like uh, those chair things that they would carry people on, like uh, a pal a palaquin, I think it's called. Uh, sure. They're in Zatoichi a lot, and I want to say that's what they refer to. Them oh, as. okay. Um, but yeah, he they just trot him out in front of all these people who are dying of dehydration. Mm-hmm. And just splish splashes <laughs> around. Yeah, he's still just having a great time in the bath. And then this old man just, like, gets down on his hands and knees and he begs him to just, like, please spare a little bit more water. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, you can have all the water you want. Check it out. And then just starts, like, drowning. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta show the people who's boss, you know. Yeah. They do this whole thing, too, where he's just, like, Okay, when my bath's over, you guys can drink my bath water. And then, like, the townspeople... This is the bit where I don't agree with them. 
If I was dying of thirst and some weird ass was just like, drink my bath water, I think at that point, like if I were near death, I would be like, you know what? Fuck it. Fine. Yeah, it's it, water. It's not going to kill you. Yes. Also, but they are disgusted by it. He has his pants on, at least. Yeah, no, he's still like mostly clothed. <sighs> but yeah, they, they don't want to drink the water. There's, I was going to go off on this thing about how, like, people definitely drink water out of much more unclean sources than that, but still, like, they yeah. they reject it, they're grossed out by it, I don't agree with that. I mean, if you uh, drink but... it out of, like, a river or something, that would be much dirtier. Exactly, like, that's kind of what I'm getting at, is I, I think actually drinking out of a stream or something would be more contaminated. Uh, but Kinshiro shows up and he has a solution to this whole water problem and it is to punch people until they explode literally. Yes. The solution to everything. The final solution, yeah. some would say. Yeah, th so this is where we get a lot of repeated animation. Like you said, we get a few bits of the same animation of these same two guards dying, but we also get the same animation of him like Moving his fists so fast that they're blurs and going ah ta 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 ta. Mm-hmm. We get that like five times. And also, I bet that is like the Gundam situation you mentioned, where that appears yes. in this whole series a lot. Yeah. Because that specific bit, that portion of animation, is also very well animated. Like you can tell, there's more detail in Kinshiro's face, so uh -huh. you know that is where they spent the money. Oh yeah. Like, they they designed that knowing, like, we are going to get a lot of mileage out of this. I mean, Kinshiro does do a whole lot of punching, so that's probably a good yes. idea. Yes, he does. Like, the cheaper version of this is when he swings his fists and instead you just get, like, a piercing sound and a flash of light. Yeah. Like, that has way less impact to it. Mm -hmm. Um... I, I also yeah, like does... how Kenshiro walks around with a cloak on for uh, probably no real reason, except so then he can toss it off and be like, hey, check out yeah. my scars. Now you know who I everyone's am. Everyone's like, and then everyone's like, oh, it's Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heard stories about him. Uh, yeah, no, he punches all the guards to death, but then uh, Bagul is missing. And we find way, out that the reason... Yes. Do you, do you want to know why he has the scars? Do you want to know how he got these scars? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so this other dude who's like his rival or something, basically, he punched those holes in him with his finger. It's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, you want to be the master of this? Well, check this out. And so he stabs the pattern of the Big Dipper in his chest like as a goof. And left him for dead. <laughs> That's a pretty good prank. Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, Bugul's missing, and we find out the reason why he takes like 10 baths a day is actually so he can completely cleanse himself of body odor, so he can become like... His whole thing is he can hide, like, super good. Uh-huh. And also you can't smell him. Yeah. And yeah. then he just pops yeah. up from underground. <laughs> yeah. And. Can she... 
first of all, Danny Elfman told us there's life underground. Yes. Look, first of all, you don't need to take ten baths to hide your sin from underground. You're underground. A human being's not going to smell you from underground. You don't know how good Kenshiro's sense of smell is. No, I mean, ultimately, that like that's the second thing is it doesn't matter specifically if your opponent is Kenshiro because he is such a master that he can detect even the slightest presence mm-hmm. of another human being. So he always knew he was underground and dodged just in time. Yes. So then Bagul tries to come at him with an axe, but then like starts flailing around because he's lost all control of his limbs. And Kenshiro is like, yeah, dude, I punched you in your pressure point, which means you have no control over your limbs now. You've got seven seconds to live. Well, specifically, he falls into the tub yeah. and starts drowning because he can't actually move. And then that's when he says yeah. that you have seven seconds to live. But apparently he was going to explode in there anyway because... Uh... <laughs> yeah, just blows up. Yep. Uh, but I do, like, him saying you've got seven seconds to live is only the second most badass thing that Kinshiro says here because he also says, like, cleanse yourself before your trip to hell. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which just owns. It is. Like, that's great. It's so good. So, yeah, uh, Bagul pops open, and then uh, we get a bit of uh, Ken Osama. He's on a horse. Speaking mm-hmm. of Gundam, this whole thing, just this whole motif, like this horse and everything, reminds me of Master Asia. To me, it reminded me of the Skull Knight from Berserk. Yeah, I can kind of see that, except, except... Skull Knight is a good guy, yeah. and so like the Master Asia thing is more that he's definitely a villain, and the martial arts are... What? Wait a second. I thought Master Asia was a good guy. I've only seen the first oh. few episodes of G Gundam. Well, spoilers, Master Asia is in fact like one of the main bad guys. What? Yeah. Oh no. It's not... Kyoji is, I think, the one that's like, you think he's the bad guy, but he actually turns out to be a good guy. And like, Master Asia still has like a a sorrowful death scene, like you still, you feel bad that he died, but like, he was definitely not on the right side of things. Look, I don't care. The point is, there's Kinshiro... a Gundam that is also a windmill. Kinshiro looks in the sky and sees a vision of Keno saying, "I am Keno, ruler of the <laughs> century's end." And then at that point, uh, <laughs> Kinshiro just says, "Bro," it like I don't know, is Rao Keno? Keno Sama shows up over the sands of Africa and says, "Simba." <laughs> It is yeah. me, Ken Osama, ruler of the Pride Lands. Yeah, this show's good. <laughs> yes, it is. Because, like, we're not even done yet. We get this other flash over to these guys. I don't even know who they are. They're staring at the sky. There's the Big Dipper. A comet passes by, a shooting star, whatever. And they look at it, and they're like, Oh, Kinshiro and Ken Osama are ready for their final battle. Now it's time for us to make our move. Yeah, and then they I say, like, there's... I don't know who they are! There's another general, and it's a guy in a mask, and I think that's Jagai, but I don't know. Jaggy? Something? A great... You have, this to, is... you have to hunt a great Jaggy. 
and you get scale, and then you can make a, a switch axe out of it. This was a really good episode to watch because I feel that this is almost like a filler episode. Like, just like... The, this whole thing where it's like the guy he fights isn't one of the main generals or anything, he's a dude in a bathtub. He's a guy whose whole villainish stick is he really likes to take baths. But, like, we get enough of Ken Osama and these other guys that it's, like, laying the seeds for this big fight to come, and we have no concept of what any of this means. Well, again, I think it's because this is the first episode of season four. Yeah. So that probably has a lot to do with this, like, being a setup thing. Yeah. Um, Which is why I think this is a great episode for Anime Roulette, because it is just as much setup as it is deep in the weeds. Yeah, it's a good point. Like you get yeah. the introduction of like he walks into a town, he helps the townspeople against some random guy, but then meanwhile there's all this other stuff going on. Yeah, this is a really good vertical slice of Fist sure. of the North Star. Yeah, in this developer is your terms. Demo. Yeah. You open up the PlayStation Underground demo disc and you get this episode of Fist of the North Star. Oh, so I'm guessing we're not taking this off. Absolutely not. I, I kind of think that if we spin this roulette and we get an episode far out in the other direction of this one, it would be just as fun to watch. Okay. I mean, this is halfway through the series, so... I yeah. don't know what you mean other way. I mean, if we went really far ahead, or if we even went in the other direction and went way earlier in this, if we separated ourselves from the events of the start of the fourth chapter, I mm -hmm. still think it would be really Okay. Alright, then time to roll the roulette for next time. I need to enter one. Twelve. How many... Okay, twelve is what's on there. Yep, it's always twelve entries. I'm surprised we've okay. not gotten uh, a repeat yet. But... Of course, by saying yeah. that, I pro we probably will this time. Uh, well, I mean, hell, that that boils down to Fist of the North Star, Hunter x Hunter, and Slam Dunk, and I'm not averse to rewatching any of those. Yeah. All right, one through twelve. It's it's five. Is it Fist of the North Star again? Seriously? Yes. All right, fuck it. I'm into it. <laughs> We're doing it again. I had to say it. Yeah, you did. You opened your big dumb mouth. Oh man, but, there's but I'm not even mad. It's more fist than the first star. All right, sure. Okay, so there's 152 episodes. So we we started from what 70? Yes, I believe so. All right, 70, 152. We got 90. Do you want to reroll? I say it needs to be at least 20 episodes in either direction of the one that we just had. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, because that's almost a full season away from it, which I think is a good place to be. Okay, I'll re-roll. 141. All right, yeah, fuck it. tail end here, so... That's right. That's good. That's a good roll. All right, then we'll probably see what happens to <laughs> Keno. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure he gets pushed off of the uh, rock and the hyenas eat him. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't show that, you know, on TV. You see it in the movie. 
Uh, yeah, so... you get Whoopi Goldberg laughing, and then Scar just blows up. Alright, so next time, episode 141 of Fist of the North Star. Uh, we'll see you then.